0: and we are live One, two, three, four. what's going on guys welcome back to the build your best business podcast we are back today episode eight talking about the 2008 housing crisis and how it's different than today's market but before we go, go ahead and get started with that anthony how was your week
1: Man, my week has been great, man. I what's going on? What you doing? You know, not much. Just came off of the holidays, so it was pretty relaxing. But uh, today, I actually got to spend the entire day at a, another branch office of ours, just doing some work out there, scoping out the area, looking to see if there's any you know potential business there Excellent. and how we can grow that branch. It's a so we're here in Las Vegas, but the branch is actually in Pahrump, Nevada, which is kind of understood to be a little bit of a ghost town. Yes, yes, traditionally. Yeah, But
0: in recent times, it really has boomed. So prior yeah. to last year, for Nevada, for all our listeners out there, used to qualify for USDA-type loans, and USDA-backed loans. Today, they do no longer qualify for USDA loans due to the fact that its population has increased so much.
1: Yeah, and I was actually really surprised. I mean, there was a lot more going on than I was expecting, so. And it was actually snowing over the past when oh, I cool. drove back. I think I drove back at like, Maybe 2:30, 3 o'clock, so nice. we just have snow in the, the desert. Yeah, right. we don't get it in Vegas, so it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. So today we're gonna to go ahead and get started on talking about the 2008 housing crisis and how it's different than today.
1: So when we're talking about the uh, you know 2008 market versus today, there's there's some key differences there that are pretty noticeable. I mean, one thing that we're seeing now that we weren't necessarily seeing back then was an incredibly low interest rate, uh, you know, home loans. So, you know, when somebody's sitting on a 2% to 3% interest rate right now, and even some VA loans, I saw 1.7, I yeah. think. You know, when you're looking at rates that are that low, it really puts home buyers in a position to where they don't necessarily need to move when based off of like really high monthly payments. So I think we're gonna see like a very high supply that maybe we didn't have in 2008. I mean, is that kind of what you're thinking with this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You have to understand as well with interest rates in the 200% when the people bought these homes, as long as they're comfortable with that payment, we're gonna see them holding onto those houses a lot longer than let's just say someone you know, who may have had a higher payment that wants to refinance or maybe just get into another property because they can't afford the current payment.
1: Yeah. And so what we're gonna see when we have the two percent, one percent, three percent interest rates is that people are going to hold on to their homes, like he was saying. So supply is going to stay up, which means that their value should stay relatively the same or drop. If it's going to drop, it's going to drop very minuscule. Yeah. I mean that's kind of what we're what we're thinking here. Now, home values have dropped already and we're sitting in, you know, the beginning of January of 2023, so home values have dropped already. But in comparison to what they increased since, you know, 2019, since like the beginning of COVID, mm-hmm. it, it just it doesn't really compare, right? No, and
0: we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the effects economically of a once in a lifetime, you know, pandemic. That affected not just social structure but economic structure as well. Yeah. You know, we in the past few years have seen unprecedented um, growth in the housing market as far as home values goes, and oftentimes that wasn't necessarily the true value of the increase in the in the home's price, but you know just due to higher inflation and just due to a market that really was just booming very
1: fast yeah. and a lot
0: more than it could handle at the time.
1: Yeah. And there's some other things here, too, that are going to, you know, that in at least the last, you know, couple of years have kept supply um, stable and not overdoing it with supply is, you know, you have things like supply chain issues globally, right? Like you have China, you know, and, and we're seeing just from COVID, right? Just the backlash of everything being so backed up. You know, and then you even have like the war with Russia and Ukraine. You have trucking protests that have happened, you know, in the last year or so. Mm -hmm. All of these things are going to, you know, cause building to go slower than wanted, meaning supply is going to be, you know, stable. And you're also gonna see an increase in the prices of those. So this is gonna be primarily due to inflation. The materials used to build the house
0: are going to be more expensive not only just due to inflation but due to the low supply of those materials and supply chain issues everything yeah. is just getting more expensive including labor yeah. and when labor and supplies get more expensive so does the actual home value yeah. and so that's just something that we've seen just recently over time as well uh, but one thing that i don't want you know anyone to get concerned about our viewers to get concerned about um with recent um, dips in home values is the health of the overall market. You know, we were in a time when it was growing exponentially fast, a lot more than it could handle, and you need to understand that healthy corrections in the market are important for long-term real estate growth and for your investment to be able to continuously go up over
1: time. Yeah, and that's what we're really seeing here, is we're not necessarily seeing a crash by any means, like the 2008 market, but we are seeing a correction where you know, when you're sitting here from loan officer perspectives, at least from my perspective, you know, I personally think that the market needs a correction because the amount of first time buyers that I'm seeing try to get into a home and it's so hard for them to right now. I mean, something does need to change, but I do believe we're seeing a correction, not like a crash. Right I, I agree. And I personally think we would have already seen one by now, but that's just my personal take on it. So even when we're looking at quarantine, right, for two years, or 2019, 2020, and even some states, you know, 2021, really had, you know, quarantine. That right there freed up a lot of time. It had people not necessarily working as much. The market, like the, the economy really slowed down during those times. So to stimulate it, you know, having excess money being poured into the market or the economics, right, is a good thing. But it's just, it's created a weird, market now where things need to stabilize yeah
0: absolutely and and it's a it's a double-sided coin there because the same money that was pumped into the economy in order to you know stimulate the economy also devalues that same dollar exactly and makes everything more expensive so the next thing guys I want to talk about is going to be the underwriting differences between now and 2008 so back in 2008 underwriting guidelines were a lot looser than they were today yes flat out there was just due to first off lack of technology and also um, just government guidelines and lending practices back in the day i say back in the day like it's so long ago and it's like 2008 but i mean there was stated income loans people were allowed to self-verify their income and their Paycheck subs so to the what worst. they believe to be true and accurate. the so You know, and back in 2008, there was—I wouldn't want to necessarily, you know, pin it on any sort of, you know, agencies or or anything else like that. But there was a lot more allotment of some uh, subprime mortgages and also prime mortgages that just shouldn't have been given to the borrowers because they
1: weren't qualified Absolutely. and they didn't have the ability to repay. Yeah. And you know we saw a lot of this uh, kind of like predatory lending in 2008 because you know everybody was was trying to to capitalize on equity that oftentimes wasn't really there, right? I mean you had appraisers being bought out, they were being bribed. You had realtors that were also being bribed. I mean you had realtors telling loan officers, "Hey, just push the loan through at this price point," you know, to make whatever number work. And you know, there was so much corruption going on that, you know, I believe it was the Dodd-Frank Act, right? That really kind of put that aside and really caused, you know, mainly loan officers to go in and look at the standards of, you know, the borrower. Yeah, absolutely. And so now like when we are helping people get a loan you know for a house we need to see so much information we got to see paychecks w-2s uh you know 1099 documents uh tax returns i mean there's so much stuff that goes into it now mm-hmm. that's really hard to even if you want it to it's really hard to get a loan through that just simply shouldn't qualify
0: yeah absolutely and there's even instances where people should be qualifying but due to one, you know, tiny <laughs> yeah, one discrepancy bit. that goes against an underwriting guideline, these borrowers are not getting granted these loans. Yeah. You know, whether that may be, you know, the funds used to close were not season, were season only 58 days yeah. 60 days and yeah. they can't be used for that. Or, you know, you know the client um, is getting a raise or they, they have got a raise, but they need to wait for two pay stubs to, to prove that that income yeah. is legitimate, yeah. you know, when back in the day, it would be as simple as, hey, I'm getting a raise, okay, sounds good, we'll go ahead yeah. and get you in the door. Yeah. So you have to understand along with the Dodd-Frank Act, there was many revisions to a ton of the governing agencies that oversee the rules and regulations of mortgage lending, such as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, as well okay. as RESPA and TILA, that are in the best interest of not only the borrowers, but the whole economical health of the country and the housing market as a whole.
1: Yeah, and these are really meant to, you know, act as safeguards that weren't necessarily there in 2008. I mean, you had realtors back in 2008 that would simply tell people, I mean, you can just buy right now and take out the biggest loan possible. And they were going over 100% yeah, on TV, were, Oh,
0: yeah. like 110%.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, and even some small boutique shops going up to 125% on TV. Yeah. And one Crazy.
1: thing and one thing to know now too is, you know, with the internet being so popular now. And I mean, I don't know a single person that doesn't have the internet in their home. You know, these guidelines can almost just be Googled now and it's really hard to hide information. Absolutely. You know? There's,
0: there's a way more transparency than there used to be.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, there's uh, underwriting guidelines now are designed to pretty much protect the borrowers, right? The buyers and, and the sellers, but to protect everybody involved, as well as generally keep a stable market.
0: So, previously before this, we were taking a look at the front end of the transaction, you know, where the borrower is getting the mortgage, getting into their home, but let's take a quick peek into the back of the transaction where oftentimes these loans are being sold to investors. The investors need to make sure that they have a stable investment, that they have an investment that is it going to be over leveraged. Yeah. You know, that has the possibility of coming down, and that's that's why a lot of these rules and regulations protect the market and also protect the investment of you as the home buyer now. Yeah,
1: that'd be a great video actually, talking about the secondary market, how yeah. it works. That I agree. Really All right, so the next topic we kind of have here to differentiate the market between 2008 and now is, you know, you have, so many safeguards that are on the front end of the loan, as we were talking about, you know, like stricter qualifications. We have to see certain paperwork to even get a loan to be under written approval. I mean, there's so many things that are going on there, but then, you know, you also have these other programs that are designed to help borrowers that might need the help. So these are people that already have a house and maybe, you know, they've missed two or three payments on their mortgage. So there's things like modifications and You know forbearance programs, and they differ a little bit, but they're kind of similar. So when you know, let's let's say you have a borrower and they've missed six payments, they're you know behind. We'll just use we'll just say twelve thousand dollars on the average. When you're in a When somebody says, you know, we're going to put you into a modification, so the government programs put you into modification, they're going to do a couple different things to help you out. They're going to one, either lower the interest rate to make it more affordable. They're going to two, extend the terms if you're on a 15-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage. You're going to extend it out to 40 years, um, helping you lower your payment on a monthly basis. And you know, those are kind of the two biggest things I've seen with modifications Mm -hmm. that are designed to help. Uh, you know, current borrowers now. I I, want to touch on that because when you're in a modification, they're not the best programs to stay in long term, they're supposed to be used more so as a bridge or a crutch, exactly. And you know, they're not meant to stay in for the full 40 years. Typically, you want to refinance out of them because if you really take if you really crunch the numbers and look at the math. If you look at a forty-year loan versus a thirty-year loan or a fifteen-year loan, you're going to spend so much more money on interest
0: over over the over, course yeah. of time for
1: a longer term. Yeah, the- over, over the course of the loan. So, whenever you're financially able to, you want to uh, you know really try and refinance out of that when it's you know appropriate for your personal finances. Now there's a little difference there when you have like a forbearance versus a modification. So the modification is what we just talked about. And then you have a forbearance where I've seen it coupled with modifications mm-hmm. and it's where they take the delinquent amount. So if you're behind, I think we said 12,000, they're going to take that and put it at the back of the loan and almost temporarily forgive it and make it due at a different later point. Correct. and so.
0: For our viewers out there, you're probably wondering how does that affect you, you know, if you want to go ahead and refinance out of that or if you want to go get a new mortgage. Typically, from the files that I have um, put through underwriting and funded, the underwriters want to see you have three on-time monthly mortgage payments after your forbearance has ended in order for you to qualify to buy a home and to close on it. So let's just say, for example, Your forbearance ended in March. You would need to make an April, May, and June monthly on time payment for your mortgage out of forbearance before you could go ahead and close on a home in July.
1: Yeah. And, you know, those are, you know, prime examples of things that are put into place now that the market did not have in 2008. Mm. There were so many foreclosures and things that probably could have been avoided in 2008 if there were. Things, uh, programs like this. I agree. You know, around to really help out current homeowners.
0: I agree. And while, you know, changes in the market are cyclical and we see the ups and downs in the market, in any market, including the housing market, we have to understand that um, there are programs out there and underwriting guidelines that are directly put into place to prevent a financial hardship, you know, for the individual consumer. Or for the entire market as a whole.
1: All right, so we've gone over you know the modifications, the forbearances, and how those are meant to really help people, um, you know, current homeowners right now. But there's one thing that, uh, you know, another thing, and probably one of the biggest ones that we see now versus 2008 is how much equity there just is in homes. I mean, if you take, uh, you know, the, the the home price right now, I mean, you're seeing homes right now that I think I was looking on realtor.com a couple nights ago, just preparing for this podcast that, you know, you're seeing homes that were sold in like 2011 for I think like $95,000. And now they're worth, you know, 225 here in Vegas, you know, 225,000. And then you even have a couple instances I saw um, in 2019, you know, right when COVID started kind of happening, you know, they, were being sold and bought for, you know, one instance was just shy of 280,000, another one was just shy of 240,000. But then the the prices now are so high. I mean, just on that home that was 280,000, I believe it was 365,000 selling for now. Wow. Yeah, and then you have the 237,000 or just shy of 240 was selling for almost 350 now. So, you know, if you bought in 2019-2020 you know, your homes have so much equity in it that they have to drop so much for you to not make a return on your investment. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking if you bought a home at 280 and now, or, you know, 280 and now it's worth almost 370, it's got to drop almost 100,000 for you to be underwater. Yeah. Assuming you're at a loan to value of 100%. Exactly. So even if you don't have equity, so if you have equity and you know that you've made, you know, 30% of your mortgage is paid off, that is just more equity that has to drop for you to be underwater.
0: And And this is for buyers that bought, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. But what about the buyer today? What kind of items are going to be holding the housing market today for a buyer that closed on their loan a month ago? So first off, um, we're gonna see that in highly densely populated areas and growing cities such as the market We're in like Las Vegas where we see an influx of people moving here yeah. every single month at record-breaking numbers There is a limited amount of housing yeah. for people and you know we're, we're in a valley and there's only so much land So just the amount of people versus the amount of real estate that we do have inside Las Vegas is what is going to support Home values as we see it today.
1: Yeah, and that applies to, you know, a lot of different places. Like we're 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 in Las Vegas, so it's what we know probably the best. But you're going to see places like uh, Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona, and places in Florida, places in Texas. Texas. Yeah, Texas. Exactly. And you're going to see, you know, that a lot of these people are coming from. California where home values are just naturally insane insanely high so what
0: a lot of these people are doing is selling their homes in California that are maybe like a two-bedroom or a one-bedroom for seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars and they're bringing that cash over to these smaller mid to large size cities and buying these homes in cash yeah and
1: they're making it competitive yeah so if you own a home right now in like Phoenix Arizona las vegas nevada pretty much anywhere in florida austin dallas texas i mean if you own a home here and you're still seeing growth from high priced places Mm -hmm. your home's probably going to keep its value and at the end of the day guys it's all about staying
0: power can you afford to stay in your home and if it makes sense for you and it's affordable historically Despite cyclical up and downs, real estate is a safe long-term investment.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the projected growth? It's like 3 or 4% a year is yes. typical. So, so yeah, 3 or yeah. 4%. So, you know, as long as you're, you know, you look at it and you go, "Okay, I have a ton of equity in my home. You're you're going to be you be okay." All right, guys.
0: So I hope that you can see as listeners how today's market is different than 2008. If you are holding back buying a home because of interest rates, there are options out there. We have two to one buy downs, three to one buy downs to help you get in the home. And if you buy today and the interest rates get better, you can always
1: refinance. And if they go up, you're glad that you have bought today. Yeah, and I actually want to touch on that before we actually close out, because I uh, just a word of encouragement for anybody that might want to buy a home, I actually just helped somebody literally two days ago get a home for, I think it was 20,000, 20,000 under value or under asking price, and then they were able to negotiate seller concessions and a two-one buy-down. They got almost
0: $20,000
1: worth of just, stuff for their mortgage to help them get a cheaper interest rate as well as get into the home a little bit uh, more cost effectively as well. We'd love to see it. So if you want to buy a home, please let us know. And guys, if you have any questions or
0: you want to give us any feedback, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to hear from you.